You are listening to Sarah Picking Entertainment. Throw me the ball and watch what I do with it. Hey, what's up, everybody? It's Andre Cherry, your host of the Cherry Picker Podcast. Thank you so much for downloading another episode of the show. I know I've been on a little bit of a hiatus these past couple weeks, been busy with work and personal stuff and travel. And uh, maybe I'll dive into that a little bit later on in the show. But I appreciate you. I appreciate you. Truly, I do. I hope you had a great Thanksgiving. Thank you for downloading this episode again. And this is going to be a real quick pod. I I was kind of chomping at the bit to get a podcast out since it had been a few weeks. So I thought, you know what? Why not just hop on the mic, drop a real quick podcast. We'll talk about the college football playoff situation that is upcoming, and then also just get into some games that have my interest this weekend. It's championship weekend within the major conferences, certainly. We look at the Power 5 conferences on this podcast, but championship weekend, we've got games kicking off, a game today even. I'm recording this early Friday morning on December 2nd. We've got the Pac-12 championship game tonight and then we've also got some games tomorrow and we'll dive right into that but we'll give you a a real quick snapshot into the playoff situation right now if it were to end today these are the teams that would make it into the playoff so we've got at number one georgia out of the sec at number two we've got michigan out of the big 10 out of the big 12 we got tcu and at number four we've got southern california usc out of the pac-12 so we've got four of the five conferences represented in the top four spots which is a great thing to see that we've got georgia michigan tcu usc represented from all these different conferences it would make the game more interesting i feel like to have different teams from different conferences represented so that's a good thing in my opinion if we look at number five so a team right outside the top four we've got ohio state they got drubbed pretty good last weekend against Michigan. It was embarrassing. It was really, I, I did not predict that going into that matchup. I didn't see Ohio State losing to Michigan because truthfully, I thought Michigan was the weaker of the two teams, if I'm being honest. I thought Ohio State would just run buckshot through Michigan. But yo, give a shout out to Jim Harbaugh and that entire team at Michigan. They did what they needed to do. They beat Ohio State at Columbus, they embarrassed the Buckeyes. I mean, that was embarrassing, truthfully. But Ohio State, because both of these teams were ranked so high within the AP, they didn't really fall that far. They fell to number five, so they got a good spot. They have a good chance to make it into the playoff. They just need a little bit of luck to fall in their favor. But Ohio State kind of got rewarded with the number five spot in the playoff uh, ranking. So they have a shot to make it into the playoffs. At number six, we got Alabama. And then we got at seven, Tennessee. A lot of people, if you follow college football media and just the social storm that is Twitter, that Twitter still is around for now. But a lot of folks were kind of confused why Alabama would be ranked higher than Tennessee. Tennessee, 
great season. I mean, by all accounts, they beat a handful of ranked teams this season. I want to say like four or five ranked teams. They've fallen off a bit. They went from number one all the way out of the playoffs. And I don't know if that's ever happened where we've had a team ranked number one for a college football playoff spot and they fall all the way out. They do not have a shot to make it, unfortunately. It would have been a great season had they had that opportunity to make it to the playoff. Uh, Hooker, their quarterback, Hendon Hooker, got hurt, season-ending injury. So there's not much to be happy about right now. I mean, there's not much positivity if you look at Tennessee's outlook, but hell of a season, hell of a turnaround for that program, and, and Josh Heupel certainly at the controls there. But that is the playoff situation if it were to end today. We, those are the teams that have a shot. Georgia, Michigan, TCU, USC. Ohio State has a chance to get in, and I guess Alabama may have an outside shot if it all crumbles and everything implodes this weekend, but I truthfully don't think that will be the case. So, if we look at the teams that will be playing this weekend for championship weekend, I mentioned to you earlier, Utah versus USC will be playing in the Pac-12 championship game tonight. This is a really big moment for USC and the Pac-12 conference. Lincoln Riley, he came to Southern California and immediately transformed this team into a winner from a season ago. It was in turmoil. Clay Helton gets fired. What are they going to do? In comes in Lincoln Riley off a jet from Oklahoma, from Norman. He gets out of there. He's in Southern California. And he brings with him 19 portal transfer players. 19. That's that's insane. That's that's a quite a large number, but that's the parameters of college football these days. Like this is the reality. You can have these transfer players coming in, coming out, and he brought with them 19 transfers with him, some big impact players from Oklahoma, and he's got this team looking good. Trojans are in a really great position to win the Pac-12 tonight and ultimately punch their ticket to the playoff. So that's quite the season for Lincoln Riley and for USC. I know they got to be excited down there. If USC wins tonight, they seal their spot to the playoff. USC would be the first Pac-12 team since Washington in 2017 to make it into the playoff. Now, there are some big stakes for Utah as well. They're going to try to defend their conference championship from a season ago tonight. And these two teams are rematching from earlier in the season where Utah bested the Trojans by a score of 43-42 to back on October 15th in Salt Lake City, Utah. In that initial matchup, these two offenses went off, racking up 1,118 yards combined. That's insane. Utah's quarterback Cameron Rising, he threw for 415 yards. He ran for three touchdowns against... USC to claim the victory so they needed every bit of effort every bit of skill from not only Cameron Rising but that whole entire Utah offense to win the game in that matchup Cameron Rising became the first Utes quarterback to throw for 400 yards since Brian Johnson had accomplished that against San Diego State in 2005 he threw for 417 yards against the San Diego State Aztecs so Cameron had to pull out all the punches. They had to step up in order to beat USC. The Utes, during that matchup, dedicated the game to Ty Jordan and Aaron Lowe. These were former players who died within one year of each other. 
So I'm sure those those players that passed away are still on the thoughts and, and memory and minds of these Jutes players. So you got to think that they've got an, a little bit extra motivation to win tonight against USC in the Pac-12 championship game. Now I mentioned the stats for Utah in that matchup. If we look at what Caleb Williams did for USC in that initial matchup against the Utes on October 15th, Williams threw for 381 yards. He had five touchdowns, 381 yards and five touchdowns. We've seen what Caleb Williams can do. We've seen what this offense can do. Caleb Williams is looking as if he may be on the verge of a Heisman Trophy. He is currently the favorite to win, and that would make him the seventh Trojan to officially claim the Heisman Trophy. And, you know, we've got Reggie Bush who won it. He had his vacated because of rules violations, but officially he would be the seventh Trojan to win the Heisman Trophy, which is a huge honor, a huge award in college football, the biggest award you can get uh, individually. So USC is looking as if they're about to accomplish a lot of great things. It starts tonight. If they can win, they will go to the playoff. Caleb Williams will probably seal his ticket to the Heisman Trophy ceremony. He'll probably win the Heisman Trophy, a lot of people think. But it's not going to be easy. It's certainly not going to be easy. This game matches the Pac-12's top scoring offense in USC against the conference's number one scoring defense in Utah. The Trojans are averaging 42.5 points per game, which is also third nationally. Washington is the only other Pac-12 team averaging at least 40 points. Now, Utah, they give up 20.1 point average, and the Utes also are first in the conference in average total yardage at 317.5 yards and passing yardage allowed at 206.2 yards. This is going to be a tough game. I mean, it's, it's, this is, is going to be a big-time matchup for both of these teams. Utah is just playing for respect. They want to win the Pac-12. USC is playing for something bigger than that. They could put the Pac-12 back on the map. But I am taking the Utes in this matchup. As much as it pains me to do so, I would love to see USC get back to glory. I just think Utah is playing with house money right now. USC, the stakes couldn't be higher for that program. But I think Utah is going to do the unthinkable and they're going to beat USC. It's going to be a good game regardless. I think it'll be close. But I'm taking Utah over USC in the Pac-12 championship game tonight and then out of the big 12 we've got kansas state versus tcu in the championship game for that conference the wildcats are nine and three great season and tcu undefeated right now 12 and 0 they ran through the big 12 to be in this position today in the championship game and they are on the verge of going to the playoff they've got their goals set high they did the unthinkable i i thought along the way there that they may lose at one point. I, I, did, I thought it'd be tough for them to just remain unbeaten. But TCU is, has looked dominant. They've looked good. They are on the verge of making it to the playoff. Now, Kansas State, on the other hand, if they can get a victory against TCU this weekend, which would be great for the program, they, this would be the first time since 2012 that the Wildcats have reached 10 wins in a season. So if they can do that, I mean, they can get back to kind of the glory days of Kansas State where they looked good under Bill Snyder when he came back uh, most recently before he retired again. Kansas State 
was a solid team out of the Big 12 for for a while, um, at least in our recent memory. Kansas State is has looked well this season. Adrian Martinez has played well this season. The transfer from Nebraska, I'm happy for him. Things didn't really work out for him at Nebraska in that program. We've seen it in a disarray uh, for a while under Scott Frost, but Adrian Martinez comes to Kansas State. He re-energizes this program. This team is looking solid. I mean, they are in the championship game. I think TCU has a little bit more momentum on their side, while Kansas State is fun. I think TCU is out for business. This is a business trip because if they win this game tomorrow against the Wildcats, they will be going to the playoff. And I don't think a lot of people thought that they would be in this spot today. Because if initially, when the playoff rankings came out, TCU was on the outside looking in. A lot of people were questioning why are they on the outside, even though they're undefeated. There are other teams that are ranked higher than them, such as Alabama, that had losses on the record. TCU remained unbeaten. They did what they had to do. Luck intervened. Teams lost. They moved up. So they are in a good spot. They control their own destiny. They just need to win tonight, or tomorrow rather, and they will be in the playoff. So I'm excited for this matchup. Hoping TCU can can do it and we get another team out of the Power 5 conferences represented in the playoff. So I'm pumped. Ready to see that game play out and see if TCU can do it. Out of the SEC, we've got number 14 LSU versus number 1 Georgia in the SEC championship game. Georgia looks to win the SEC championship this year with a victory over the Tigers. Let's not forget that the Bulldogs lost the SEC championship game last year against Bama en route to them winning the national championship. So while they won the the bigger prize, you could say, in the national championship, make no doubt about it, this team wants to win the SEC championship. They want this on their resume that they are the best team out of the SEC. So they are going to be all gas, no breaks during this matchup against LSU on Saturday. I don't see them slipping at all. I don't see them faltering at all. And honestly, I'm a little disappointed that LSU lost to Texas A&M last week because this it would have made the game more meaningful. There would have been higher stakes for LSU. Um, and they LSU would have had an outside shot of making it into the playoff, which would have been amazing. But they lost to the Aggies 38-23 to last week, a, a good beating. So it, it kind of dashed any hopes that I had that this would be a compelling game to watch. I think Georgia takes care of business, but I do want to give a shout out to Brian Kelly for getting LSU to this spot of in, into the SEC championship game during his first season in the SEC. I did not envision this happening for LSU. I think a lot of people did not think that LSU would be in this position as well, but Brian Kelly gets major points for, for doing what he had to do. He, they won and they are in the SEC championship game this weekend. I think after their week one loss to Florida State, a lot of people were like, man, this is going to be a rough road ahead for Brian Kelly. Did LSU make the right decision in hiring Brian Kelly? But he righted the ship after that loss, and look where they are today. They are in a great position. This is a great start for Brian Kelly. So hats off to LSU. You know, you get credit for, for being there at the game in the championship, but I think Georgia will be too much for them to handle, and I think Georgia gets a good victory in route to sealing their seat in the playoff. If we look at it more closely, I, I really don't think LSU has enough pieces because Georgia's defense is pretty good. The dogs limit opponents to only 11.3 points per game, which is the best in the entire country. 
So this defense isn't as good as they were last season, but the defense is still pretty solid. So that's a pretty good stat Georgia boasts heading into this championship game, and I think Georgia will take care of business, and they will win this weekend. So I'm taking Georgia over LSU. Oh, and then that last matchup, I'm taking TCU over Kansas State. I don't know if I mentioned that clearly enough, but TCU over the Wildcats. Out of the Big Ten, I'm taking Michigan over Purdue. Michigan can win back-to-back conference titles for the first time since 2003. They would break the single-season school record with win number 13, and they would clinch a second straight playoff bid. I think Michigan has its sights set on the playoff, honestly. And while I don't want to overlook Purdue, they made it to the Big Ten championship game out of a crazy, chaotic, wild, wild west of the Big Ten this season. I just think Michigan has too much momentum, and they just are too hungry to lose against Purdue. They did the unthinkable in beating Ohio State last weekend. I did not see that coming. If I'm being truthful with you all, I thought Ohio State would dominate Michigan, and boy was I wrong. They got embarrassed in Columbus at the Horseshoe. So Michigan's ready for this moment. Jim Harbaugh has been ready for this moment. I think Michigan gets a, a good win against Purdue this weekend, and they will clinch their spot into the playoff. They're going to have to do it, unfortunately, without Blake Corum, their running back, who's I think I saw online that he's going to have uh, surgery on his knee. He had injured his knee during the Illinois loss a few weeks ago, and he played maybe one series, I believe, in the Ohio State game last week. But that's a huge loss because Blake Corum, I mean, he was up there in terms of uh, being one of the best running backs in college football this season nationally. So that's a big loss for the Michigan Wolverine program. Um, But I think Michigan has a great opportunity that they will secure a playoff spot after a victory over Purdue on Saturday. So I'm taking Michigan over Purdue. Then we've got Clemson over North Carolina in a, in the ACC championship game. Nobody's really talking about the ACC this, this season. They haven't really factored into the playoff race at all. Clemson had an outside shot of making it, but then they have lost a couple games that have pushed them out of contention for that. But I'm kind of torn here because I don't want Clemson to win, but I don't know that I want UNC to win the ACC either. Like I don't know that I, as an NC State fan, am rooting for the Tar Heels. But if the Tar Heels can beat Clemson, they will have kind of knocked Clemson out of the that that level or that atmosphere where they've been dominating the ACC for, for years in and year out. And what I mean is if Clemson wins against UNC tomorrow, they will have earned their seventh ACC championship title in the last eight seasons. So Clemson is playing at a level above every other team historically these last several years. And if UNC can beat Clemson, they will stop them from getting their seventh title in eight seasons, which is unheard of. That's insane that they have been that dominant. So, you know, I'm not really rooting for Clemson. I'm not truly rooting for UNC, but maybe I'll just be neutral and just watch the game, see how it plays out. But uh, but yeah, I mean, the Tigers have dominated. The Tigers won six straight titles in 2015 through 2020 before failing to reach the championship game last season. North Carolina has never won an ACC championship game. They lost 45-37 to to Clemson in 2015 and their only appearance in the championship of the ACC. So the Tar Heels haven't won a title since 1980. This is a big moment for Mac Brown and for the Tar Heels if they can 
beat the Tigers and and win the ACC, it just doesn't feel right for me to say that UNC is a ACC champion. So I'm hoping that doesn't happen. But again, I don't want Clemson to win either. So I, I'm really torn there. But I will say I am taking Clemson. So I'm taking Clemson on the podcast. But if they lose, it's whatever. So that, that there we have it. Those, those are the games this weekend for championship weekend. You got one more meaningful week of football before the playoffs roll into into town here, and we've got the bowl games to look forward to as well, which is which will be fun certainly. But these are the teams that are in the championship within the Power Five conferences. So I'll run it back for you one more time. In the Pac-12, I'm taking Utah over USC. In the Big 12, I'm taking TCU over Kansas State. In the SEC, Georgia over LSU. In the Big 10, Michigan over Purdue. And out of the ACC, Clemson over North Carolina. Want to know what life is really like after the game is all over? Real athletes are here to share their true stories of adversity and triumph every week on After Orange Slices. Even if you don't like sports, pro athletes, former college stars, celebrities, coaches, public speakers, doctors, and all kinds of experts join the show, and there's a little bit of something for everybody. Join me, Bridget, for a slice of inspiration, plus your everyday sports news sprinkled in. New episodes every Friday at 8 a.m. Pacific Standard Time, available anywhere you get your podcasts. Basketball is back. And with that comes joy, tension, heartbreak, buzzer beaters, and elation. It's time to be courtside for every one of those moments, no matter where your team is playing. Short Court specializes in making replica and custom basketball courts for your home, office, sports cave to decorate your walls with all those memories. If you have a picture, we can recreate it. Featured in the 2021 UniWatch Holiday Gift Guide, Short Courts are made using real wood, we frame, and give them an epoxy finish to protect the new centerpiece of your memorabilia collection. With previous customers including Northern Kentucky University, Southern Utah University, 199 Apparel, The Perimeter Podcast with Adam Morrison, and many more celebrating the careers and retirements of their coaches, it's time you visit shortcourts.com for more info and a gallery of our work, or you can send us an email, info at shortcourts.com. Be sure to find us on social media, just search for shortcourts. It's time to bring the home court home. Real quick here before we get out, before I end this podcast, I'm trying to get my feedback. It's been a while since I've done a podcast, so I, I appreciate you listening to this. Matt Rule signed an eight-year contract with Nebraska worth more than $74 million. That seems a little long. Eight years is a very long time. I get Nebraska wants to have some stability, so they want a coach that can win. Matt Rule is a winner. He's won at Temple. He's won at Baylor. He's turned those programs around. So I get Nebraska wanting to put their flag down and say, this is the guy we want and we're going to believe in you and invest in you. And so we're going to give you the time so that you can turn this around. You got to come in and and clean house pretty much and just infuse a new culture into Nebraska. I like Matt Rule. I like what he's done in college. NFL didn't work out very well for him, but that's not really a surprise. I mean, college coaches really don't work on a professional level in the NFL. Pete Carroll maybe is an exception to that rule, certainly, but they typically don't work out. I think Matt Rule has an opportunity to work out in Nebraska. I like him in the Big Ten. I, I think it could it could work if he can really get in there, hit the ground running, and and make this team 
turn this team into winners. It's been a long time coming, but it's not going to be easy. Eight years is quite the commitment. I hope it doesn't backfire for Nebraska because I feel like they, we've been waiting a couple decades, at least a decade and a half for Nebraska to be relevant again. And so Matt Rule is going to have his work cut out for him. Good luck to Matt Rule. We got Luke Fickle going from Cincinnati to Wisconsin. I know a lot of fans were hurt, and I think a lot of the, the players on that team were hurt when Jim Leonard got axed as well. So you got Paul Christ is gone. Jim Leonard is fired. So that whole staff is gone. In comes Luke Fickle, this new guy. You know, he was at Ohio State at one point, a Cincinnati guy for, for quite a few seasons, had success at Ohio State and Cincinnati, truthfully, when Luke Fickle stepped in for Urban Meyer several years ago. This guy knows how to win. I think he's a, a good fit. You stay in the Midwest. He just has to win that team over, and that's going to be the task for him. But once he can win that team over and make that program his own, He's got an opportunity to be successful out of the Big Ten. So I, I like that hire, truthfully. I, I haven't seen too many people that have poo-pooed that hire or disagreed with it. These guys have to win. It On paper, it looks good. But ultimately, the proof is in the results. The proof is in the pudding. If he can win at Wisconsin, that's a success. Like, he will be successful. Matt Rule, same goes for him. If he can win at Nebraska, that's a great hire. On paper... I like both of those hires right now. I think Matt Rule works at Nebraska. I think Luke Fickle works at Wisconsin. And I'm excited to see what they can do within the Big Ten. Those are big names coming to the Big Ten. Another hire that I wanted to mention real quick was that Deion Sanders apparently, allegedly got an offer to Colorado. I think Deion even came out in the media and said that he did get offered from Colorado. That is not a good fit in my opinion, if I'm being honest. I don't see Deion Sanders in in the Pac-12. I just don't see that as a fit just personality-wise. I just don't see him there. I may be in the minority, but I just truthfully, I see that guy in the SEC or the ACC. I'm a little surprised why Georgia Tech didn't make the call. I thought maybe that, that could be a good spot for him, but maybe some programs are just waiting for him to have more of a resume. I mean, he's kind of new to this college football coaching thing, but he is a good recruiter. You've seen the players that he's pulled over, five-star players to Jackson State, and he's won at Jackson State. I mean, he's a good coach there. I just don't know when it will happen, but I, I truthfully see that guy, if not in the SEC, I see him in the ACC. He's a good personality for college football, for football in general. Just He's just a good personality. I don't see him going to Colorado and being successful. That's that's not a fun job if I'm if I'm Deion Sanders because Colorado is is going to need some help. That's that's going to be a project, and I just it doesn't seem like a spot where Deion would want to go and put his efforts into. So I see him in the ACC eventually. I don't know how long it will take, but right now he's having fun at Jackson State. He's uh, he's a big personality. He was on ESPN earlier this season when uh, game day went down there to cover Jackson State. So I don't know where he will end up and when it will be, but he's not taking that Colorado job. If I had to bet any money, there's no way that he's taking that job. But I could be wrong. So yeah, there we have it, my friends. That's a, a quick little podcast. I just wanted to come back after a few weeks off. I was I was out of the country. Uh, a couple weeks ago, I was in Paris. I took my partner 
to Paris because it was one of those things where when you first start dating someone, you know, you, you get kind of give them the world or say that you're going to give them the world. So I was like, baby, listen, I'm going to take you to Paris. We're going to go to France. We're going to have a good time. And we started dating like almost seven years ago. And, you know, we have a child together. And so she was like, listen, it's time to pay up. You're taking me to Paris. So I took her to Paris, paid for the flight, paid for the hotel, you know, paid for a lot of the stuff out there in Paris. So I just wanted her to have a good, it was a birthday present. So that's where I was. Paris was beautiful. It was my first time in Europe. Um, I'm an Air Force brat. So I lived in Korea for a little bit when I was a lot younger. But this is my first time going across the Atlantic and going to Europe. I had a blast. It felt like a weight was just lifted off of me as soon as we got to, uh, flew into Iceland first, which was cool. And then we flew from Iceland to Paris. It was an amazing trip. It was good to get a little bit of R&R right before the Thanksgiving holiday. Um, our daughter, she stayed with her grandma and her uncle while mom and I jetted out to Europe for like five days. I had a blast. I had more fun than I thought I would have, honestly. It was just so relaxing. People were really cool. All the history, the buildings are beautiful. I would highly recommend a trip to Europe, a trip to Paris, if you have the means to do so. You will not be disappointed. I'm excited to try to plan a trip to go out there again or maybe go to another uh, country in Europe. But I had a blast. It was such a great time. Highly recommend it. I am glad to be back in America, though. I'm, I'm glad to be able to see college football this weekend in person for championship weekend. And I'm hoping to get a ticket to the Army-Navy game next weekend. They won't be back in Philly after next weekend. I think they're gone for like five seasons that they won't be playing in Philly. They historically play in Philadelphia, which is a good spot uh, between West Point and and uh, Annapolis are located. It's a good kind of middle spot for both of those teams. So I'm going to put some money down, get a ticket, probably just go alone, honestly, and watch uh, Army-Navy cross that off my bucket list. So maybe I'll do a podcast about that experience uh, on the next podcast that I put out. But thank you for downloading this episode. Hope you enjoyed it. Hope you learned something. Hope you have fun watching college football this Saturday. And happy holidays as well. I hope you had a great Thanksgiving and I hope you have a great holiday season upcoming here. And I hope to talk to you again soon. Thank you, everybody. Have a good one. Have a great weekend. Talk to you soon. Peace, everybody. <laughs> Thank you again for tuning into my Cherry Picking Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please feel free to subscribe to my show and drop me a rating on Apple Podcasts. All of my digital content can be found at the website cherrypickingsports.com. And if you are looking to interact with me via social media, my Twitter handle is at cherry underscore pickin. That's P-I-C-K-I-N. On my Twitter, you'll also find a link to my blog where I post my weekly college football predictions and analysis. I can also be reached via email at cherrypickinsports at gmail.com. Please feel free to reach out to me regarding what you like about this podcast or about what content you'd like to hear more of on future episodes. I sincerely thank you for your support, and I can't wait to talk to you again soon. Take care.